You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Good morning, church. Uh, my name is Sean Payne. Um, I am not the usual suspect. Um, I am the third string, fourth string, fifth string, <laughs> cheerleader. Uh, matter of fact, um, you know, the, the Craigs and the Wingies are out of a retreat this weekend. And um, last week, uh, for midweek, the Johnsons got to share about prayer. So, you know, normally you'd have the first team up here, right? Any soccer fans out there? Anyone know who that is? Wayne Rooney, that's right. Well, Lisa and I, we're the practice squad. <laughs> that's actually Wayne Rooney's son who was picked to be on the Manchester United Youth Squad. But we're excited to be able to share with you guys today. Um, of course, we have been going through a series uh, called Rooted, um, and it's based on the book of Ephesians. And every week we've been going through uh, every chapter, and today happens to be the final chapter, chapter 6, uh, which many of us are familiar with, and uh, we'll get into that. But today I've got three points. Um, the first one is because you belong. The second one is because of the battle. And the third one is because you need to gear up. Now, just so you know, and just to kind of throw a, um, a little uh, caution out there, <laughs> um, I did not time this, so hopefully... I will come up on time. I've got a timer right here. Um, it'll probably be short because I'm going to uh, blow through it pretty quick because I am super nervous. Um, but um, I was talking to uh, Julie Hernandez this morning, and um, I said, you know, I'm used to maybe speaking a little bit or uh, doing something for communion or midweek, but it's brief, and I can usually just not have any notes. I can have some key points and just go with my heart. Well, I didn't do that today, so I've written a bunch of notes, and I'll probably be reading from them, um, but I'm not used to being boxed in, so please forgive me. So let's go ahead and go to God in prayer. Father, we are so grateful to be able to come before you this morning. God, it's so great to be part of a church that loves you, that loves your word, that loves being rooted in the, the firm foundation that you give. God, thank you for allowing us to reach out to you. Thank you for pulling us in. Thank you for one day calling us home and allowing us to be where you are. God, I just pray that this morning as we uh, look at the final chapter of Ephesians, that we will honor you, that we will glorify you. God, please um, clear my mind, clear my thoughts, and help me to um, only say what needs to be said. God, be with us this morning. It's in your son's holy name. Amen. So I'm cheating a little bit on the first point. The first point today is, um, well, this is the title of the sermon, Take Your Stand, okay? Um, and that is uh, based on standing firm in, in chapter 6. But the first point is because you belong. Because you belong. And how I'm cheating is I'm actually going to kind of recap what we've gone through already uh, over the first five chapters and then just jump a little bit into chapter 6. 
In chapter one, you know, the, the first three chapters really focus on how we belong, okay? Chapter one talks about how we're chosen by the Father, how we're redeemed by the Son, and how we are sealed by the Spirit. It aimed to open our eyes to how much we have to celebrate in Christ. It aimed to show our, us our identity about who we are and not what we have or what we do or what others think of us. Chapter 1 emphasized that God is good and that it is good to be with God. In chapter 2, we studied how everyone craves relationships. Everyone craves a purpose in their life, right? We are able to see how God's plan for us gives us both security and significance. It showed us that we were saved on purpose, for a purpose, and that we're never alone. Chapter 3 talks about the role of the church in the spiritual world. When we understand the part we play, we also understand how we approach suffering, how we approach struggles, and how we invest in the future. Helps us to not approach life half empty, um, but how to learn to live a life filled up. Being spiritually secure frees us to devote ourselves to the things that are spiritually significant. But then we jump into chapter four, and it starts with the big word. Who can say it? There. Thank you. Therefore. <laughs> um, therefore. All of a sudden, things radically change. Because in the first three chapters, we're learning about how much God loves us, how much his sacrifice through Jesus has really given us a great reward, given us a great salvation. But chapter 4, Paul changes the theme a little bit. And he gets into, okay, so you've got this great gift. Now what are you going to do with it, right? And it gets pretty hardcore. He says, um, um, oh, I kind of jumped off offline here. Um, after Paul reminded the Ephesians of how great we have it in Christ, he let us know how we should respond. In four, we learned our new identity in Christ, how it needs to affect how we live and who we are as a group. Together, we become a world-changing world community Amen. of love, a uh, world-changing community of power of unity and diversity. Um, it has helped us to harness um, as we, um, that, that diversity is harnessed as we play our each, our individual part in God's work here in our city. We also learn that we have a part to play in God's church. In chapter 5, Paul provides an, uh, an amazingly practical instruction on how we should live our lives in light of the gospel. We're able to see what it means to put on a new self. Um, and in different contexts, such as marriage, on the job, and in relationships, it tells us that we belong and that uh, being a Christian is more than just talking the talk, but it's about walking the walk. It's about living the life. You know, of course, in chapter 5, we, we talked about... The, the relationships, we talked about marriage, we talked about purity, um, all these different things. Chapter 6 um, begins to go into um, a little bit more of the continuation of the end of chapter 5. Before we, we jump into that, I'm going to have Lisa come up and read uh, Ephesians chapter 6. 
talking to your kids. <laughs> 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 I wasn't sure how that was going to work. <clears throat> I'm really, I just have to say, I'm really confused. I thought we were being invited to sing this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I got all excited. <laughs> so, chapter 6. Brothers, if someone is caught in sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you may also be tempted. Am I reading the wrong thing? Yeah. Ephesians chapter oh, 6, I'm reading not Galatians. The wrong one. Oh, see, maybe I should stick to singing. Okay, sorry, y'all. <clears throat> this is, you guys are going to like the other one better. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, <laughs> for this is right. <laughs> Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, and with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is a slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there's no favoritism with him. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Final greetings. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Thank you. Amen. Isn't she gorgeous? All right. So uh, as we see there, um, beginning in the, the start of the chapter there, it just kind of continues that theme, right? Um, verses uh, 1 through 4, Paul addresses the children and the fathers. And it was funny because when Lisa was reading that, I noticed some parents looking over and some children looking over when, uh, when the different parts. But then also in, in, um, in verses um, 5 through 9, Paul speaks to slaves and masters, which of course today would most 
probably relate to employees and employers, right? But it's interesting when you, when you look at the dynamic of each of those things. In the beginning there, you know, talking about the par parents and the children, talking about slaves, masters. And then you go back into chapter 5, you have husbands and wives. And uh, the dynamic is very similar in all of those different situations where we are given our roles and responsibilities in each, each of those respective areas. Um, and it works really well when both are playing their part. When as a husband or wife, as a husband, if I'm not loving my wife the way that the Bible tells me to, if I'm not loving my wife, if I'm not loving Lisa the way that Christ loved the church, it's going to be really hard for her to respect me, to submit to me. Yes, I use that word. Um, but when we're, when we're fulfilling our role in Christ, it becomes so much easier. Well, the same thing with the, the parental-child relationship. Okay? Yes, the Bible tells children, obey your parents, for it'll go well with you, and you will live a long life. But he warns the parents as well not to exasperate their children. The, uh, the definition for exasperate is to irritate and frustrate intensely. That's exasperating. Okay? Um, and God tells us, and, and you notice here, he doesn't say mothers don't exasperate your children. He says fathers don't exasperate your children. Because who tends to do, be the most exasperating? Lisa and I um, were, were asked to speak today, not just because we we're last string, um, but, but also because we've got a story to tell. Um, we've got a history, and, and the history is primarily on my part and my failure as a husband, as a father, um, as a child, as an employee, um, as a son of God over the years. And I'll tell a little bit about, about my story in just a second, but um, we we're asked to share because especially when we get into the armor of God, I think you'll see how the armor really can help in the long run, but if you don't take it on from the get-go, you will fail. Um, and you can lose everything you value. Um, You know, um, backing up um, kind of my youth before I started coming out to church, um, I had a, a, Lisa and I had totally different backgrounds. Lisa grew up in the church. She grew up in a great family, loving parents. I knew her dad before I knew her. I knew her little sister before I knew her down in the church in San Diego. And um, I loved her dad. And I, I didn't even know Lisa yet. Um, and so... When I got to have him as a father-in-law, I got, you know, the double bonus. But leading up to that was not a, a good time for me. I, I was sexually molested in elementary school. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, had my first experience with pornography in elementary school. Um, in seventh grade, my brother got me high for the first time. And... It just started um, going nonstop. 
I was first sexually active in seventh grade. Um, I had no direction. Um, we moved from Oklahoma um, to San Diego when I was uh, starting eighth grade, and it just got worse and worse until finally, uh, in 10th grade, I tested out of high school. Um, I, I, I hated school, and I don't recommend this. I thought I'd get a head start on the world and become a rock star. Um, <laughs> I, I joined the military. Um, I had to have my parents sign because I joined before I was 18. And um, it was great because when I went into the recruiter's office, and first off, he had offered me a job as a police officer. And he said, you know, Sean, have you ever done cocaine? And I said, I tried it once, which was true. I tried it once, and I didn't like it. And he goes, well, you can't be a police officer. How would you like to be a firefighter? And I said, that sounds great. He goes, well, have you ever smoked pot? And I said, well, yes, I have. He goes, well, when was the last time? It's about a half hour ago. <laughs> so he goes, ah, that's not going to work. He goes, you have to be clean for at least three months. Um, when you've been clean, come back and see me. And I said, fine, that's, that's great. So I came back the next day. And I said, you know, I went home and I looked at my calendar, and what do you know, it's been three months to the day. <laughs> he just kind of shook his head. He goes, listen, I can't get you into basic training until uh, July, but... Um, Make this uh, commitment to yourself and to me to stop smoking pot. I said, okay, that's fine. So I joined the military. I was excited. I had stopped smoking pot. I was ready to go. Get in, and I don't know how many weeks it was, but I heard this guy come into the fire station, and he sounded like he was from California. Sure enough, he was. He was coming back, former military. He was coming back to work as a civilian at the fire department was going through a divorce, asked me if I wanted to move in with them. I said, sure, we got high. <laughs> and I was right back to the same thing. I finally got out of the military in 1985. Um, thought I would uh, uh, just rock, rock the fire department world, and I didn't get into the fire department. Uh, started delivering pizza. Um, but that's when the real drugs and partying and everything started. And not only was I you know, smoking pot, I was doing meth, I was doing all sorts of hallucinogens, I was up for three days at a time, um, just totally out of my mind. You know, it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. You know, it's what, what you know, every kid dreams about, right? No. Um, in 1987, um, I got a letter in my mailbox. I had come home from work, and I got a letter in my mailbox that didn't have a stamp on it, um, was just addressed to me. And I opened it up, and I'm reading through it. It's all handwriting, and it's from uh, a girl I had broken up with, or actually broke up with me, about eight months prior. Know where this is going? Um, and I flip it over, and it said, you're going to be a dad. I'm like, what? I'm barely 21 years old. I'm going to be a dad. Uh, maybe I was 20 at the time and 21 by the time she was born. She was born in um, March of 1987. She's now 32 years old, um, but she was put up for adoption. And it was a closed adoption, so I wasn't going to get to know her. My life was just turned upside down. I didn't know what was going on. So did I stop partying? 
no. I went full, full bore. I went full vengeance. It was like this was it. So I'm an addict. Uh, I was a drug addict. I was a sex addict. Um, I'm just an addict. Fortunately, I'm, I'm clean. I'm not you know, dealing with those things now. But I am an addict. And we'll learn more about how that addiction has really, um, really caused issues in my life. Um, you know, but um, in 1989, I called my uh, best friend to see if he wanted to go to ladies' night down in Pacific Beach. And he said, no, I'm going to this Bible study. He goes, dude, you should come. It was really cool. This guy was like, this, all right, seriously, this is how he said it. He goes, dude, this guy was like the closest thing to God I've ever met. <laughs> and I said, okay, cool, I'll go. So I went, and I've never stopped going. Um, that was the, the start of, of um, me coming out. So March 12th, 1989, almost two years to the day after uh, my daughter Ellie was born, um, I was baptized into Christ. And everything was perfect from then on. Right? right? But the thing that was cool was... I felt like I belonged. I finally found some place where I, I could be at peace. I felt like I, I loved the, the church. I loved the community. I loved the, the, my brothers and sisters in the church. I felt like I belonged. And I tell you, I was a happy guy. <laughs> this is actually from last month when we were in Latvia with the, the Wingies. And they had these, what were they called? These, these biting flies that were just huge. And mosquitoes. And I had sprayed stuff on me. And we're out by the river, out at the farm. And um, I still feel like I belong. But anyway, enough about that. Why do we do this? Because we belong, right? The second point is because of the battle. Um, in... Matthew 12, 43 through 45, says, When an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. Then it goes in, takes with it seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that man is worse than the first. So even though I knew that I belonged after I became a Christian, um, I never really had fallen in love uh, with understanding God better. I loved his church, I loved the fellowship, but I didn't really hunger and thirst for learning and knowing him better. Uh, because of that, I let that demon back in but not only did I let that demon back in, I let in seven others, and I didn't even realize it. I was still going to church. I was still, you know, showing up for things. I was leading a Bible talk. But inside, those demons were working, and they were figuring out different ways to um, mess with my mind, mess with my heart, mess with um, where my eyes went, 
where my thoughts went. Um, and because of that, it nearly destroyed my salvation, my family, my marriage, my friendships. But again, the most important thing is it nearly destroyed my relationship with God. You see, um, even though I had gotten baptized and decided to, you know, turn my life over, I, the, those addictions came back, and they came back with a vengeance, and they came back in different ways. Um, and it really all came to a head, um, came to a head about 10 years ago, but began probably 15 years ago, um, where I took a job with a company that... Um, when I showed up the first time, I was all excited to do things right, to say the right things, to be that Christian in the workplace. And it was a sales-driven company that um, was, uh, if any of you know about the old Sears model, it was hard clothes, boiler room mentality. You'd go into the meeting every morning, and even though you may have sold $100,000 the day before, it's a new day and you're dog meat. You can't do anything right. Um, and so if you wanted to succeed, you just had to push harder and harder. So you had to start stretching the truth a little bit. You had to start doing all these things. And I thought I wouldn't give in to that. I really did. I went in with the heart to do excellent. But my, my self-control was not there. The expectation if you wanted to get the good leads, if you wanted to move into management, was that you hung out with the owners, that you went to the strip clubs. Gosh, I'm so embarrassed by this. That you went to the strip clubs with them, that you drank with them, that you did all these things. And it just got so bad that not only was I doing all this, I had gotten our family in substantial credit card debt that Lisa didn't even know about. Um, I was dealing with, with impurity. I was dealing with um, just all these addictions that came back. And I wanted so bad to conquer them. I hated them. I hated myself. But I couldn't. And I was afraid to be open about it. Because um, as I learned later... Um, I had realized that I had started to really idolize Lisa and the girls, even though I was treating them like crap. It got to the point, and why I talk about fathers don't exasperate your children, it got to the point that I was so afraid of being caught that my only way of um, responding was out of anger. I would lash out at Lisa and the girls, and my children suffered the consequences because of my sin. It broke my heart. Every day, I would, I would say, today I'm going to quit. Today I'm going to quit. Today I'm going to do what's right. And it just kept digging deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper in. We were at a marriage retreat um, about 11 years ago. And um, Lisa and I had just had a great date. And I felt so guilty. I felt so horrible. Because I knew that, I, that she wasn't getting the real me. And um, she knew it too. But um, that was finally the turning point. I went to, many of you guys may remember Al Baird. I went to Al Baird and I went to Andy Wingy and I pulled him aside and I said, hey guys, I need to, I need to talk. 
And I told him, and that was the beginning of the new me. But it took a ton of work. The battle is real. Uh, and it's because of the battle. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12 talks about that battle. Okay? Um, I, didn't, I didn't print it out, so let's, let's go ahead and reread that. Because it's really cool. I think a lot of people don't really understand spiritual warfare. And I wish as a new Christian that I had had um, a talk like this because it really would have made me scared of what's out there. And, and I don't say this to put fear in you because people can look at the spiritual battle and you're going to have two, two primary <laughs> looks at it. You're going to have the people that are like, well, I burnt my toast. The demons must be out. <laughs> Or you're going to have the people like, yeah, that's really nice, right? But the spiritual battle is real. And in Ephesians 6, verses 10, it says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's real, guys. Genesis chapter 3, we know that you know, everything's all beautiful in, in chapters 1 and 2. God's creating the earth. He creates Adam and Eve and everything. And then all of a sudden in chapter 3, here comes this serpent, right? And the serpent comes in and he tempts Eve and he says, ah, go ahead and eat that. Yeah, you're not going to die. You're going to know everything. And she does. And God gets ticked off, right? God says, why did you do this? But then he confronts the serpent. He says, in verse 15 of chapter 3, he says, because of this, I will put enmity between you and mankind. So now all of a sudden there's this separation, right? And we know that later on, uh, this serpent is described as Satan. Satan is the deceiver. Uh, all sorts of different stories. But it's really interesting because if you look at the Old Testament, throughout the Old Testament, God is referred to as king, right? He's got this kingdom, okay? We are part of his kingdom on earth, right? But Satan came to create a bunch of different counter kingdoms, right? And he's offered that to each and every one of us. He's offered us these counter kingdoms where you can do your will, not God's will. You're doing your will. There's kingdom over here, kingdom over here, kingdom over here, kingdom over there. And that's Satan's scheme. It's not some big, you know, worldwide, you know, where he's got this throne set up that everyone can come and bow down and worship to him. Because that would be way too obvious, right? No, he sets up all these little counter kingdoms for us to welcome in. And that's exactly what I did. I welcomed in that little counter kingdom into my heart and allowed it to lord over me for so long, and I thought I had it under control. Well, no, I didn't think I had it under control. I knew I was out of control. But I was under control. You know, um, another great story about uh, the spiritual battle is in Daniel chapter 10. So we know that Daniel was this... Uh, this um, servant that could interpret dreams. But also in, in verse 
uh, or in chapter 10, he talks about how um, he had this vision of this great war. And it troubled him so much that he decided to uh, pray fast. He ate no choice food or no wine touched his lip for 21 days. But he prayed earnestly. He was so troubled by this vision, but nothing happened. Okay, he kept praying and praying and praying. Finally, on the 24th day, this angel shows up, right? And um, he says, hey, listen, Daniel, your prayers have been heard, but I've been detained, battling the prince of Persia. Yes. And the battle was so fierce that I had to come, uh, be relieved by the angel Michael. So I was finally able to come to you. And after I leave here, I've got to go out to another kingdom and fight another battle. The spiritual battle is real, but we tend to not recognize it. Okay? Um, you know, it goes against our nature to trust what we can't see. It goes against our nature to not trust what we can't feel. Okay? I wish I had understood the spiritual battle better. And I hope you will as well today. Um, we shouldn't be shocked by that battle. Okay? Think about the soldiers as they were coming off the boats uh, on D-Day. You think they were surprised to see bodies floating in the water? Bodies dead on the floor uh, of the beach, on the ground of the beach? No, they were soldiers. They knew that this could happen, right? Do we as soldiers of Christ think the same way? You know, uh, the first battle of the Civil War was the Battle of Bull Run. And put on there the worst picnic ever because um, one of the, the, this was the first major land battle of the Civil War. And um, if you read about it, one of the things they talk about how, is how most of the people on both sides thought that this was going to be a quick war, that it was just basically going to be one single battle and then it was all over. So when this Battle of Bull Run came, they had picnics up on the banks watching the battle. They had artists painting things, you know, with their, their tables out and their food baskets and everything, watching the battle, watching the slaughter. Now, why do I bring this up? Because we're in that battle. We're not in the Civil War. Civil War obviously raged on for years, but we're in a lifelong battle until we get to heaven. But today, are you a soldier or are you a spectator? You know, Jesus um, dealt with the, the spiritual warfare as well. A um, couple of scriptures that, that talk about it in Mark 127 says, The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this, a new teaching? And with authority? He even gives orders to impure spirits, and they obey him. Verse 34 of chapter 1 says, And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. I love that. Verse 39, it says, So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. In chapter 3, verse 11, it says, Whenever the impure spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. In verse 23, it says, So Jesus called them over to the 
to him and began to speak to them in parables. He said, how can Satan drive out Satan? You know, all these people were, were talking about how he must be in league with Satan. And Jesus says, eh, no, a king cannot go against himself and be victorious. How can Satan drive out Satan? All right. So much of what we live is an illusion. It's not what we touch, see, or feel. It's much more. The people of Ephesus were strong believers in the spiritual world. They had charms and amulets to ward off evil spirits. This is why Paul addressed them so strongly about the spiritual battle. But Paul tells them that Jesus had come to conquer the spiritual realm. In Ephesians chapter 1, we read this on uh, the first week of our lesson. In verse 20, it says, God raised Jesus and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms to rule. Um, and then in chapters, uh, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world, or the ruler of the kingdom of air, the spirit who is now at work of those who are disobedient. We were enslaved, is what that's saying in, in verse 1 and 2. But I love in verse 6, and I'm just going to read a little bit of it. It says, And God raised up with Christ, raised us up with Christ, and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So after all of that, after he's talking about Jesus being lifted up, set at the right hand of God, how we were basically sinners from the beginning, we were brought up and sat at the right hand with Jesus in the heavenly realms. How cool is that? We're, if we've decided to follow God, if we've decided to follow Jesus, if we've decided to make him Lord of our life, we're sitting with Jesus in the heavenly realms right now. Come on. Right now. That's pretty stinking cool. Just think about that for a second. We were raised up with him. We are in the battle so my third point and final point is because you need to gear up. As Christians, it's in easy to indulge in fighting uh, against the flesh and blood. There's so much of, of it out there. It's easy to point out the failings of world leaders, of celebrities, of athletes, and even those around us. Uh, but we need to be armed for the real battle. Paul used the example of a Roman warrior and his, his armor when he starts talking about the shield or the, uh, the armor of God, right? In, uh, beginning in verse 13. And he did that because that's what the people of Ephesus saw every day. They knew that armor intimately. So for us today, um, we may be able to relate that to a football player and all the gear that he wears whether it be the pads on the, the thighs, his shoulders, his rib protector, his neck protector, depending on his position, right? His helmet, all of these different things to protect him. A police officer, like Paul, okay? You gear up every day, right? You put on what's going to protect you. You put on the Kevlar vest, okay? We do these things to protect us. Well, much like that, that's how Paul was describing um, the armor of God. So this time, uh, Lisa and I are going to share a little bit about each of the different pieces of armor, and Lisa is going to begin.
Okay, who doesn't love Batman? Um, Step up to the mic a little more. Up to the mic, okay. So think about the, the first is um, scripture is to put on the, be outfitted with the belt of truth. And I put Batman up there because what does he have? His utility belt. And it's not so much something that protects something coming at you, but it holds all those things that you need to pull out of your pocket in an instant. Pardon? Oh, it holds his tights up, too. And every girl knows the benefit of having a belt. So you got to look cute. But you think about it. You know that advertisement at Chase, what's in your wallet? And, you, you know, that's kind of the what do you have in your belt? Um, and this verse, my utility belt, I consider is the truth. It's the belt of truth. Um, growing up, we were really taught a lot of truth. I, I'm like you guys that have been coming to church for your whole life. You heard the Bible all your life. And it wasn't just the um, Ten Commandments, like don't lie, don't kill. I you know, got that part down. But really learned a lot of scriptures about how cool God is and how much he loves me and how much he chose me. I mean, this is like, this is a bread to me. It was, it was food. Um, but it's the truth. And if you remember what Sean was saying about Satan and how he's the deceiver, yeah. I mean, you think about it, his name translates to deceiver. And when you were naming your kids and parents, did you think about, okay, I'm going to call him liar? Um, <laughs> you didn't do that. Um, I, I struggled over what to name. I'm so, I mean, I wish we'd had a son, but I didn't know what I would name a son. We fought over the name, but Corey is the, the combination of Terry and Karen, my two sisters, and it's very special to me. Um, Kike and Dele's little boy, I mean, his Olo Dalapo. Alua Dalapo. Alua, I can't say it. Alua Dalapo <laughs> means he who walks with wealth or with the mighty. I mean, what a cool name. Satan's name? Liar. Liar. <laughs> his whole mission is to confuse me, to get me to believe something that's not true. Um, to blind me to what's right. And so what do I have in my utility belt? The truth. And so I wanted to share some of the truths that in all of the, the things that Sean shared. Um, and I think it's very brave to share these things. It's hard to um, sometimes relive them by listening, but it's because there's still feelings about that. But I'm so proud of him. So the truth stashed in my belt. So Isaiah 55:11 is one of my favorite truths from the Bible. I think these are the scriptures that I remember from my whole life, that God's word will go out and not return empty. And think about that. Think about if you, if you use your, God's word for something, that it's not going to go out and create a lie. It's going to go out and come back with something good. He doesn't waste his words. Um, when we were going through the hardest times in our lives, and I would be tempted to believe a lie about, I'm not enough. I'm a failure as a wife and a mother. That um, Hebrews 10:14, where it says, "For one time, one sacrifice forever." By one sacrifice. By one sacrifice. He is made forever. Perfect. perfect. Those, those who, who are, are being made holy. made holy. So, what's the truth? I'm perfect. And you look in the mirror and go, I'm "Perfect." Um, and that God is making me holy. He's creating something in me. That I'm, I'm perfect because he makes me perfect, not because of what I do or because I deserve it. And all those hard things that we've gone through are making me holy. They're making me like God. He's making me more like himself. Um, I mean, what an honor. Philippians 4.8. And I think um, women that, that I talk to a lot know that I love this scripture. 
because it helps me when my brain goes into that mental toilet flush. You ever do that where you like grab onto something that's not true and you just circle around and around and it drags you down the drain? Think toilet flush. So um, what does Philippians 4.8 say? It's finally whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is noble. These are the things that we're supposed to be focusing on. Um, there's this one time, and I'll, I'm sorry, I know that I'm probably going to make us run over. Um, that's right, we are. <laughs> but this one time that um, in the midst of all this stuff that Sean was describing, um, that I needed to reach Sean on the phone. And Abby was sick at school, and I was working at Harbor UCLA. So I wasn't super far away, but I couldn't leave my office because I was running this really big interview event, and I was the only person that could do this. So um, I couldn't leave. I, they said, don't leave, so I didn't leave. And I couldn't reach Sean. I paged him. I texted him. I called him. And then I started over again. I kept doing it. And I couldn't get him for hours, and the school nurse is calling and calling and calling. And finally, I said, I have to leave. And I left, and I was so mad. Because what I believed was the truth was that Sean was out doing something he shouldn't have been doing. Because he'd been open with me by now. I knew what was going on. He's spending money that we don't have. He's somewhere where he shouldn't be. He's doing bad things with bad people. And I'm going to, you know, the whole, everything's falling apart and we're, our marriage is over and what are we going to do? Where are the kids and I going to live? And I was like homeless and destitute before I got home. <laughs> it was that, it's like total flush. So I picked up Abby from school, got her home. And what was on the table when I walked in the door? Sean's cell phone. <laughs> so the lesson in a lot of this stuff comes in retrospect, like you, you can learn it going back, backwards as what's true right now in this moment. Sean can't answer the phone for some reason. That's all I knew. Then really, that's the only truth I knew. So, um, yeah, that's Amen. utility belt. So she's going to stay up with me because we're going to um, quickly, we have run over, so I'm going to make these next points uh, or these next things really short. The breastplate of righteousness, um, you know, in Romans 12, 21, it says, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Righteousness protects the heart. The Romans called it the heart guard, okay? Jesus talks about it, and I, I'm not going to read these scriptures because of time. Um, I want you guys to go ahead and write them and study them. But Jesus talks in Mark 7, 15 about nothing uh, uh, from a can defile a person by uh, going into him. It's what comes out of us. And he continues on in verse 20 and 23. Um, it's not the external influences. It's what comes out of our heart. And of course, James 1, I think is probably one of the best things, especially if you're, you've got something that you need to deal with. And you may be putting blame on other things causing you to be this person that you don't want to be. Okay. Um, James 1, 13 through 15 uh, says, When tempted, no one should say that God is tempting me. But it's what comes out of our own heart that causes us to sin. I encourage you, you know, I put on my breastplate of righteousness in every way that I can. I, I put it on by knowing scripture, by meditating on scripture, by prayer. I encourage you today, as you've heard my story, not to think... Oh, well, at least I'm not that bad. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? If you're dealing with sin, 
If you need to put on that breastplate of righteousness, do it today. Okay? That's all I'm going to say on that. Because <laughs> I've got a strong conviction about that now. Yeah. We can talk to him later about that. Um, feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The Roman sandals would be really handy on this... Um, this is Angel's Landing at Zion National Park. It's a really twisty, windy, steep trail. I think going up's easier than going down because you could slide all the way down if you don't have on good footing. Um, but their soldiers' shoes had cleats in them so they wouldn't slide around in the gravel. Um, to me, that sets us up to be ready, to not be led by anxiety because if you're not ready, then you're anxious. Um, I live with a lot of stress in my brain that um, sometimes it's really hard to... <laughs> Kike understands this. Um, <laughs> it just kind of bubbles beneath the surface. I don't know if any of you ever relate to this, but anxiety comes uh, naturally to our family. We have a lot of genetic anxiety, mm -hmm. and it's just right there below the surface. I can make decisions based on being a very anxious person. In fact, the last month has been very difficult um, in this way where I feel kind of unprepared. We've been traveling a lot. Um, I've been working like crazy on a new jo a job that's not a new job, but where there's new responsibilities that weigh a lot, and they are very emotionally charged. And um, I can decide to be like Jesus, uh, or I can I decide to believe the truth about how I'm forgiven, or I can live like a crazy woman. Um, and hopefully I'm choosing the right thing, but I think being um, feet fitted with the gospel of peace means that I am at peace because I know that none of these things can tear me apart from my relationship with God. Amen. Shield of Faith talks about um, having that shield to protect us. Hebrews 11, chapter one, or verse 1 says, Faith is being certain, uh, or I'm sorry, sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. One of the things that I can, I, don't, I boast in the Lord of this, is that even through my hardest times, I never doubted that God loved me. I never doubted that God wanted the, the best for me. Not one single time. If I can say one of my strengths is I believe, I've got the faith that God is there. It doesn't matter what's thrown at me doesn't matter what comes my way. But faith cannot be um, just by yourself. You know, faith comes from hearing the word, okay, uh, in Romans 10, 17. Romans 5 talks about being justified by faith, right? Um, but the Romans, they use that, sh that shield for individual protection, but also for unit protection. And we'll talk about that uh, just briefly in just a second. Make sure that you have your shield with you. The helmet of salvation. Oh, helmet of salvation. Um, think about the helmet. If you, you can have full body armor and your head uncovered, the enemy can blow your head off and that's it. So helmet's very important. When you're hitting the head, that's the, that's the most vulnerable, really. Um, and I think that Satan really goes for our, goes for our brain, goes for our mind. Um, you have to remember that we're saved, the helmet of salvation, that that's what, that's what keeps us alive. Um, it, he can distract us, confuse us. I get confused a lot. Um, I think he confuses me with lies. And sometimes um, it gets confusing because I forget that 
that I'm not the one in control. Um, I know it's like big revelation that I should know this, that God is in control. But I think if I just can get this set up this way, or I can get things ready early enough, or if I can say the right words, or if I can do this thing, this one thing, or if I can do this in my job, or just get to this one point, or if I can be at this appointment with my dad. My mom is, has some memory problems right now, and it's going to get worse with age, but if I can just get right there for the right appointment, then all of this can just be okay. But really, God is in control, and he has my half my life in his hand. And I think I need to remember that and keep my hat on, keep my head on straight and set my mind on that every day. I can read my Bible and look at the facts in the Bible and pray, but if I'm not putting this on and setting my mind that I am saved, God is in control, before I walk out that door, then I'm lost. Amen. Amen. And then finally, there's the sword of the Spirit. And I apologize, we have gone over. I'm wrapping up, I swear. <laughs> um, the sword of the Spirit is, of course, the Word of God. I love the Word of God now. In my early days, I didn't study it. I didn't, I didn't hunger for the Word. I do now. I love it. And there's so many scriptures. Of course, Hebrews 4.12 talks about it being living and active. Okay, sharper than any double-edged sword like you see up there. Okay, and the Word cuts us. There is a, a scripture that when I was not doing well haunted me. Um, it's, uh, in Hebrews 10, 26, it says, If we deliberately keep on sinning, no sacrifice for sin is left, only a fearful expectation of the raging fire that consumes the enemies of God. That was seared into my head because I lived in fear of that scripture every single day. But it's serious. We've got to know the word. I'm grateful for that uh, word today. You know, Jesus used the word in Matthew 4 to defeat Satan when he was tempted in the desert. But you've got to love the word, you know. Um, two people that I love and I know they love the word are Kiki and Daly. Okay. Um, we helped them with their pre-marriage counseling. We uh, did their wedding. Uh, we discipled them for a while. Um, and they loved the word and respected the word and uh, um, reacted to the word more than anybody else I've ever met. Just, they, they were so determined. And if you meet their families, their families are the same way. <laughs> it's so awesome. Um, but anyway, thank you guys. You guys inspire me. Um, you know, one thing that it didn't mention um, was back armor. Okay? And I talked about the shields, and of course the, the Roman legionnaires would, would back up into what was called a tortoise. And they would cover each other with the, the shields. So that's when I say we need each other with that faith as well. Right. You know, um, they also don't talk about any pants. Um, so <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. But talking about having friends, having those, um, they're not here right now. These guys mean the world to us because they've been with us um, for over 20 years as, as great friends. We travel together, um, but um, they're vulnerable with us. We're vulnerable with them. We hold each other and we protect each other with our shields, and we all need those relationships. The armor is necessary. Yep. 
We need people. So put your armor on. Do not give the devil a foothold. If you're battling with something today, no matter what it was, and I wrote this whole list and I'm not going to go through it. Work on it. Deal with it. Talk to somebody. Put the armor on. Re-engage today. Today, put the armor on. Get up. Stand up. Suit up and fight. Thank you. Um, communion right now. Um, and, um, you know, uh, we, we had a, a little group together at our house, and um, Andrew Desario was, was sharing. And he was sharing something. He says, listen, if you know anything about Sean, it's that he likes going to the gym. And I go to a, a boot camp because I love, I love the, the combat environment. Okay, there's just something about being a warrior that I just kind of thrive on. Um, I don't do well going to the gym by myself. He says, but if there's, there's one thing you know about him, it's that, that he loves going to the gym and he loves heaven. He loves talking about heaven, and he's so looking forward to heaven. The, the scripture up here in Philippians 3, 12 through 14, it's not our common uh, communion scripture, but I thought it went well with today's message. It says, not that I've already attained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Communion is about um, remembering the cross. It's about refocusing on that gift uh, of salvation but it's also about remembering where we get to go. I can't wait to get to heaven. Um, I'm ready today. If God wants to take me, take me. I know that there's, he's probably not going to. There's unfinished business and I'm far from perfect. But I can't wait to get to heaven. The cross reminds me of that. I'm so grateful today for that salvation. I'm so grateful for that gift Today, as we take the communion, as we take the bread, as we take the juice, let's remember what God has called you to. Let's stand. Not, not literally. <laughs> God, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much um, for what you've done for us. Thank you so much for salvation. Thank you so much for um, the way that you love us. Thank you for the cross. As horrible as it was, um, it was something that only through the cross could we be sitting here today. God, please help us to take this, this uh, communion with a heart of reconciliation, with a heart of gratitude, with a heart of love for you and understanding what you've done for us. We love you, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.